Coming out September 18th, John Oates and the Good Road Band, live in Nashville. I've had John Oates on my radar for a long time, and finally I got a chance to chat with him. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame, half of the world's famous Daryl Hall and John Oates, with over 80 million units sold. Billboard magazine named them the most successful duo in rock history, manifestoing Simon and Garfunkel and the Everly Brothers. I caught up with John after three reschedulings of our meeting, and uh, I thought he was on the East Coast in a hurricane, and it turned out he was in the Rocky Mountains in a forest fire. So anyway, here it is, the long-awaited quick chat with John Oates. I think you got caught in a storm yesterday or something. What was up with that? No, um, I'm in Colorado. Um, we, oh. got, we got caught in a wildfire, which was even more exciting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not not near our house, but on the highway. Um, so uh, that was a mountain adventure. We were on our way to Colorado and had to divert over a mountain pass on a dirt road for about 20 miles, which was kind of fun. So uh, there you go. You have a place in, in Aspen, correct? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we decided to come out here for a couple of weeks, um, and uh, but we've been in Nashville most of the time. Yeah, I, I was uh, going back and forth with your management, and uh, they said you had a power outage. So I thought you, maybe you were on the East Coast or something like that. But it was a fire. Okay, well, you know, and what I emailed back was it's 2020, the year of rolling with the punches. So who knows? Uh, good, good way of putting it. Who knows what in the heck's going to happen next? But uh, yeah, yeah. Let's start off with your your new album. It's live uh-huh. in live in Nashville with. The Good yeah. Road Band. How did you come up with that yep. name? Just when you think all the good names for bands were taken. <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny. Um, I was trying to figure out a name for this band, right, uh, when I made the Arkansas album about two and a half years ago. And, um, you know, I kept calling it the John Oates Band and this and that. And I, the album that I made prior to this was called Good Road to Follow. And it's been a kind of a theme for me that that, the, that music has been kind of a musical road for me to follow that's taken me to, you know, uh, amazing and unimaginable places. And I thought, good road to follow, good road band. And I, and I thought, oh, it's, it's kind of a play on words, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, they're good. First of all, they're really good. Second, it's... Yeah. it's Taking me down a good road, so there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of synergy there. So it was fun to uh, to um, to come up with that name. Yeah, here's a dumb scenario. Say this this name hadn't been used, and you're in a band meeting, and they're coming up with names, and this guy goes, "Okay, we'll spell the name differently, but how about this? The Beatles." I think yeah, everybody right. say that's the dumbest name I ever heard of. Okay, okay, next. Yeah, it's- <laughs> If you really, if you if you can if you can objectify, if you can look at it objectively, it's not a great name. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't go through a day without hearing it, you know. But, but it's funny about things like that, you know. If you hear them enough, they start sounding good. Yeah, yeah. Well, Daryl Hall and John Oates was easy, I guess. So. Well, yeah, that's not the greatest name in the world either. But uh... <laughs> it's household. Come on, you know. I've got all yeah. your records, and uh, uh-huh. I have a question here. I've always I had Whole Oats, and then I got a band and luncheonette, and I was looking at the cover after about a year, and I thought, uh, who came up with the artwork? What was the concept behind this? And then I noticed this abandoned luncheonette looks like a train car, you know, out in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, that is actually, that. well, it was. It was a diner that Daryl used to eat at when he was a kid near Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Um, and it had been abandoned. And, uh, you know, it was, in the, it was off to the side of the highway. It was covered in weeds and trees and growing, you know. And um, 
Daryl wrote a song called Abandoned Luncheonette, which is a great, a really great song. Yeah. Um, and it's about the passing of time and, you know, uh, you know, pet lives and things like that. A really great song, very sophisticated musically. And uh, we just decided what a great title. You know, it seemed to sum up, uh, have this kind of gravitas to it. So, and that um, the picture was taken by my girlfriend at the time, a girl named Barbara Wilson, who I was seeing in Philadelphia. She was also an art student at the Moore College of Art. And she uh, did a um, silkscreen hand-colored tint of that. Uh, and so that became the album cover. They sat in an abandoned luncheonette Sipping imaginary cola And drawing faces in the tabletop dust Yeah, I, I was looking at it thinking, it looks like it's in a field of cannabis. You know, but perhaps not. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> <laughs> that was just me. You know, I was a teenager, so... Hey, no. Sure. <laughs> Uh, your influences, there are a lot of things you could have drawn from. Uh, how did you start out? Well, you know, I've been playing the guitar since I've been six years old, uh, taking voice lessons, performing. For, you know, I was a child performer. My mom was a bit of a stage mom. Um, and, uh, you know, so music has really been part of my life. And uh, when I got to be, you know, when, when the early 60s, when the folk revival uh, started happening, you know, um, I was playing guitar for, you know, five or six years, and I was, you know, not great, but I was competent. And uh, a good friend of mine's older brother went off to college in North Carolina. When he came back at Christmas vacation, he had all these folk albums of people I had never heard of, you know, uh, everyone from uh, Hedy West to John Jacob Nile to, uh, you know, Doc Watson, um, Mississippi John Hurt, you know, all these stuff. And I began to play these records and being a guitar player, I, I wanted to learn how to do that. Uh, so I, you know, I did the old tried and true method and, and from the olden days of dropping the needle and trying to figure out what the hell these guys were doing. Yeah. Um, and later on, uh, when I moved to Philadelphia in the 60s, I met a guy named Jerry Ricks, who um, was a r accomplished folk guitar player. And uh, he also was the kind of uh, de facto tour manager for a lot of these roots and uh, re rediscovered performers who were coming up to the northern cities because across the street was a guy named Dick Waterman who was um, Bonnie Raitt's boyfriend, and he was also a lot of these uh, performers' manager. So when they would come to town to play the folk festival or coffee house, they would stay at uh, either uh, either his house or stay at my guitar teacher's house, Jerry Ricks, and I would go over there for a lesson, and I'd see Doc Watson sitting you know, on the couch, and you know, I got to hear these guys, watch them play, learn from them. So it was like just being in the right place at the right time. And then by the same token, uh, on Saturday nights, I would go to the Uptown Theater on North Broad Street and see the greatest soul and R&B performers of, of the era. You know, Otis Redding, Sam and Dave, Miracles, Temptations, Stevie Wonder as a little kid. Um, and this was... Uh this was all happening at the same time. And so, I mean, you couldn't be in a better, more, you know, more, you know, exciting, uh, you know, inspiring place or time. And that's, that's what informed me. So when I met Daryl Hall, um, I was already playing for 12 years. I was playing folk music, Delta blues, bluegrass, uh, and R&B. And so, you know, that music is part of my my musical DNA, but it was put on the shelf during the you know the the Hall and Oates 
you know, thing because we created something totally unique and different uh, of our own. And so a lot of people never, you know, now I do this music and people are like, how do you know how to do this? And that was the question I used, I used to get all the time when I came to Nashville for the first time. I said, I've been playing this music for 50 years. You just didn't know it. Uh, and that's, uh, so it's now has an, you know, I know I have a way of expressing it um, with my Americana community of musicians and this amazing band that I play with. So when I think of Aspen, I think of Telluride and the festivals that they have there. I'm sure, uh, sure. You're, you're a big part of that. Oh, I've been, yeah, been been to it, uh, performed at it, uh, Bluegrass Festival, Blues and Brews, the whole bit, yep. Yeah, I remember Fogelberg did a Telluride-oriented album called High Country Snows. Oh, he was a Colorado guy. He lived in he lived down down near Durango. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, boy, he was he was a loss. What a great what a great player. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, uh, the meeting with, up with Daryl Hall, and then and off into the '80s when he kind of discovered your niche. Uh, did you ever lose sight of going back to doing what you're doing now, or you? No, I was too, it was too much of a, a freight train that was really, you know, barreling down the, the, the track. It was no way of stopping it. Um, it was an exciting time. It was, you know, we were making, we were being creative in the studio. We were making music that had never been heard before. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, you know, but then, you know, in the dressing room or at home, if I'm sitting on the couch, I pick up an acoustic guitar. Even during that time, I was playing that music. Um, so it was just one of those things where it had to be the right time. And when I finally, uh, you know, began to go to Nashville in the late 90s, early 2000s, I realized that all of a sudden there were people there who really understood this music the same way I did. And I had a, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a musical kindred group of musical kindred spirits who could help me realize it and and then not only just try to replicate the past, but using the past as a jumping off point and and reimagine it with with my experience and you know my years and years of experience in the recording studio, years and years of experience on stage. So you know, it became a a kind of a, a I used the past to go forward, so to speak. I keep hearing the name Mississippi John Hurt come up. You bought a guitar that he owned, didn't you? Yeah, well, it goes it goes even beyond that. Um, the guy I was mentioning, uh, Jerry Ricks, who was my guitar teacher, uh, he used to take John Hurt around to the various festivals and coffee houses and things. When John Hurt passed away in 66, that guitar that he played at Newport was given to my guitar teacher. Uh, in 1972, when Daryl and I were getting ready to make our first album in New York, uh, I, I wanted uh, Jerry to play with me on a couple tracks. So he said, hey, should I bring the John Hurt guitar? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So on the first two Hall & Oates albums, the acoustic guitar that I'm playing is the Mississippi John Hurt guitar. Um, Jerry uh, subsequently sold that in the mid-70s to a guy in Denver uh, where it remained in his collection until now. Um, he passed away and the collection was being sold and I managed to repurchase it. So now I have the guitar, not only that Mississippi John Hurt played at Newport Folk Festival, but the one that I played on the first two Hall & Oates albums. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How could that happen? The stars aligned. That was a, that was a gift from the musical gods for doing that album. <laughs> okay, so Live in Nashville comes out September 18th. Um, mm-hmm. Who are the players on that? 
Well, it's a it's a group of guys who I've been playing with for quite a while now. Um, those, you know, Sam Bush is the is the unofficial um, guest star. You know, he's he has his own band and tours by himself all the time. You know, he's a he's a mandolin legend and icon and one of the guys who who welcomed me to Nashville back in the early 2000s. So he's he's on the album. Uh, on lead guitar is a guy named Guthrie Trap, who's a world world renowned uh, lead guitar country guitar picker, and he's played with so many different people I can't even I'm not, you know, I can't even begin to tell you how many people he's played with yeah. I first saw him at Telluride uh, with playing with Jerry Douglas and he's been with me for about 10 years now um uh, on bass is a guy named Steve Mackey, who was uh, just a, a great session player. Who also, uh, Roseanne Cash, Wallflowers. He just did the tour with Peter Frampton. Um, he's on bass. Josh Daddy Day is our drummer. He was a drummer for Sugarland, among other people. Um, Russ Paul's pedal steel. He plays with Dan Auerbach. Uh, and on cello, a very unique young uh, cellist named Nathaniel Smith, who's in the Casey Musgraves band. So I have. This incredible band, and these guys are just—they're just—they're just consummate musicians and great, great people. And um, you know, when you hear the playing on this record, this—this this record, by the way, as opposed to some live albums, which are kind of reconstructed in the studio, so to speak, uh, this album is exactly what happened live on the night. There is nothing changed, nothing fixed, nothing overdubbed, no changes are made. It's exactly the way it happened. All we did was mix it. And give it a good mix. So um, it's a it's an authentic, true live album. Wow, you guys are good. There's a song called Anytime. First of all, the whole thing is yeah. just happy. But Anytime, it's yeah, uh, yeah you just want to tap your toe. It's it's a great song.
Considering not a lot of people had anything you could play it on. Well, yeah, but just think, just think how revolutionary that that time was. You have to remember, before at radio and the phonograph machine, if you wanted to hear live music, someone had to play it for you. You literally had to go hear someone play, or you had to play, put the sheet music up on your piano at home and play a song. All of a sudden, you could take music into your home. That's revolutionary. I mean, of course, today we, you know, it seems like, yeah, it's ancient history, of course. But in those days, that's that's re- that's a revolutionary idea. Um, and I wanted to shine a light on that, you know, that era, which a lot of people just don't consider anymore. Yeah, oddly enough, and I don't know, it depends on how you measure it, but I think White Christmas is up there. You know, the '78 version of White Christmas being yeah, Crosby. well, that's the biggest record of all time yeah yeah i think i believe it still is and like i say it depends on yeah. how you count you know there's different measurements and things but yeah i think yeah. it's the biggest selling record of all time it may be rightfully so it's a great song right well you know what i i don't need to take more of your time i just wanted to, to say hello and see that your weather turned out to be a, a fire which is crazy town but like i said it's 20, 2020 <laughs> well, god happened, knows it was a while we were on i-70 driving in from denver and uh, we had just passed Vail, Colorado, and um, came to a screeching halt. There was a track that was backed up for miles, and uh, a wildfire was close to the interstate and closed the interstate in both directions. And that's the main east-west route, I-70 across the country. And um, we had to divert across uh, something called Cottonwood Pass, which is a 20-mile dirt road, and there were hundreds of cars bumper to bumper going over this road. <laughs> it was it was really weird. I'm glad I was in a rental car. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks so much, John. It's been an honor to talk to you. I've always been, a, like like everyone, I've been a fan my whole life. So keep the, thanks, keep thanks. the music coming. It's so good. 
Well, I appreciate it. Spread the word, and that's all I can ask. Okay. You take care. Okay. Take care of yourself. All Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better. <laughs>